<clears throat> there was a question on Sunday I want to address just a little bit. I think it was an honest question, a fair question. Um, he, the, the gentleman said that, talked about when Jesus comes back, that he agreed with what we were talking about, premillennialism, but uh, is the Lord actually going to set up shop, so to speak, here on the earth again? And seemed to imply that that was what he believed. Well, a couple things. Number one, and I think Rick pointed out, Second Peter 3, uh, starting in verses uh, 10 through 13, just as a quick review. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. We'll just kind of stop with that. Pretty, pretty clear. This is not metaphorical language or not, uh, uh, not symbolic language uh, Peter's talking about. I think it's literal. Um, and then I, I was thinking um, yesterday, actually, it came to me that you remember what Jesus said in John 14? Uh, Thomas and some of the ones were asking all kinds of questions about the kingdom. And he said, uh, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. Is that on the earth? Certainly not. And if it weren't so, I would have told you that. And he said, I go prepare a place for you. The word prepare is not go and build. It's reserve. You know, when we uh, uh, reserve a room at a hotel, we're traveling. They don't build a hotel. They just reserve you a room. So that's what he's talking about. I'm going to go back and reserve a, a room for you, a place for you. And then he says, that where I am, there you can be also, kind of thing. So, you know, it's just so clear, it seems, seems to me at least, clear with John 14, 2 Peter 3, Hebrew, just so many places that, that um, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, when the kingdom will be delivered back up to heaven, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians about uh, when the Lord comes back, we'll meet him in the air and so shall we ever be. Um, he's not coming back to this earth to establish anything. He's already done that when he was here. The church is not an afterthought. You know, the Jews rejected him, therefore, oh, Lord, the, uh, God says, I don't know what we're going to do. We we're going to do the kingdom. I guess we can't do that. Let, let's, let's do the church. No, 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 no. Um, so I think it's pretty clear. Now, I did think this as well, that, you know, if the Lord wants to set up and uh, uh, shop in my backyard, I'm okay with that too. Really, what, what's the big deal about heaven? Is it its awesome beauty and all that? And it, it's going to be. Really, what is the big deal about heaven? Lance. We're in the presence of God. God is there. Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is there. And wherever he decides to, for us to be, I'm okay with that. I'm certainly okay with that, for, for sure. In uh, Psalms 84, might be 54, pretty close. I believe it's Psalms 84, though. David said that I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in the kingdom of God than live, in, live like the world. I'm paraphrasing that last little bit. See, talk about tents and stuff we don't talk about too much. Um, but he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. If, if we can make it to heaven, and the Lord says, now look, Johnson, I want you to go sweep the streets, I'm good with that. 
I'm good with that. All I want you, Stan, to be watching that gate over there. Stan's fine. We all are. Um, so it's all about him, being with him, worshiping him. And I don't think it's wise to get too bogged down on, on, on the other things. Um, now that's, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, as they say. But I think that's the truth. I really do. And, and Lance hit it right on the head. Anything else on that before we move on? Uh, I'll take a real, something real quick. Uh, Margie? Mm-hmm. Right. You've got to have help to understand that. <laughs> no. No, when, when things are totally burned up, uh, I, I'm good with what that means. Uh, but that's interesting. And there are people who believe that. Uh, Don, then we'll move. The series that I'm working on with the blog right now is God's Great Plan. Started before And we talked about the eternal nature of God and also his eternal plan. I was in the mind of God from the very beginning. Man sins, here's what we're going to do uh, with Jesus and the church and dying on the cross and so on. So, no, you, no you're right. It's also interesting that, that throughout the first 19 chapters, most, maybe not all, uh, with all of the numbers and all the metaphors and all the the, the symbolism, it, it's symbolic, but when we get to chapter 20, the thousand is now literal. It's been, uh, it's been um, um, symbolic the whole time, but now we're going to go literal. No, no, we're, we're not. Um, when he talks about in the very first verse there of chapter 20, he says, having the key to the bottomless pit. Is that literal? That'd be a big key. A key to the bottomless pit. Um, has the, has a, the angel has a great chain in his hand. Literal? No. Uh, so we understand this is symbolic. And you can't go to 20, chapter 20, and decide all of a sudden we're going to go literal. You can't do it. It's, it's, uh, it violates so many rules of scripture in addition to the scriptures themselves. Um, it says, oh, I want to do this first. <clears throat> This thousand years, uh, of course, we talked about 10 being a, a complete or whole number in the book of Revelation. So if you go 10 times 10 times 10, uh, what does that say? This, this is really complete period of time. Really complete uh, period of time. And God knows its end. We'll talk about that as we move on through this little timeline. Um, the first resurrection... Uh, I've read different, different thoughts on this, but the first resurrection, I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to save that till we get into the, to the, to the chapter. 
uh, lived and reigned. Uh, who is he talking about there? He uses the word they. We're going to look at that. Talking about us? Or are you talking about they? Uh, Satan was bound. We're going to look at that here just like in a, in a, in a little bit. So <clears throat> the timeline is, if you want to try to get this in your mind, uh, if I was really good with, with, with all the computers, you know, I would have done a little uh, uh, diagram and all of that. But my, and I could do it. I just don't have the time to do it. Um, I can't do straight lines. Um, Christ died on the cross. When we get to, there was this long period there of 100 years or better where um, we, we get to the book of Revelation where Rome is in charge. Rome is, is brutal. You, you worship Caesar. And Christians decided we're not going to worship him. Well, if you don't, you're not going to get these marks on you. You're not going to be able to conduct business. Uh, mark on your forehead, mark on your wrist, and all of that. You're not going to be able to do that. So uh, we see in Revelation 16 this battle of Armageddon, if you will. Uh, how did that battle go? Was it a, quite drawn out like World War II or Afghanistan, 20 years there? No. The whole world was gathered against Christ on his white horse and the people that followed him and then the, the very next verse is he's, he's got them all, he's, he's killed them all or got them all bound uh, wound up um, it, it wasn't a battle at all so we kind of got that period and we know that Rome didn't fall technically, officially till about 1000 AD somewhere in there even though about halfway back from there is when Rome stopped being Rome and they moved to Constantinople. We won't get into all that. Um, said the saints reigned. Um, I think it's pretty clear to me that so many saints have been killed, possibly hundreds of thousands. And remember, and we talked about that in Revelation 6, how long are you going to, before you vindicate us, Lord? And he says, you rest a little while, a little while, and I'll take care of it. He took care of it in, in Revelation chapter 16. So the saints reigned um, for this, this thousand years, this complete period of time. And then we'll get to this in a little bit where the last portion after that, it says uh, God's going to let Satan loose a while. And we'll talk about what, what I think that means. And maybe we're in that now. I don't know. We don't know that, but it looks suspect at best. Uh, and then the end, the judgment. We'll see that at the end of chapter 20. Okay, now, uh, verse 1. We'll get into some verses here. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having uh, the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, uh, I'm going to th throw out a few verses and somebody be turned into these. I want to ask you to read out loud if you would. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Not yet. Uh, go ahead and get that, Doug. Hebrews 2, 14. Revelation 12 and verse 7. Matthew 12, 28. Matthew 12, 28. Hebrew, uh, Revelation 12 and verse 7. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. Now, uh, this binding of Satan. Now, we know that's a, a, a metaphor. 
if you'll allow me to, to use that. Um, but it has significance to it. Now the question is, uh, how is Satan bound? How has he been bound up to this point? And some of these verses, I think, are going to help us with that. Everybody listen closely. Doug, what do you have? Hebrews 2.14? Okay, go. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death How did Jesus, that's who he's talking about there, bind Satan at that point in Hebrews 2? Through what? How was his power limited? Through his death? Uh, I'm, I'm getting strange looks. Y'all got to start talking now. Um, Sean, you with me? Through the cross. Through the cross. And he bound Satan to a degree... A large degree, actually, through, yeah, crushed his head through the cross. Okay, keep that in mind. Revelation 12 and verse 7. Okay, Gary. There was war in heaven. Michael and his, and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. Uh, keep going. Through 9, I'm sorry. They were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place to found for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down. Okay, thank you. Now, we don't know what happened there, and I, would, I wouldn't go out on that limb. Um, but it appears that Satan, I suspect a, a, a created being, and we read about angels who have, who have fallen in the, in the book of Jude, and they're in chains and darkness waiting the, what, what happened? I don't know what happened there. But in a sense, based on what Gary read, do you see some binding there of Satan's power? Even though we don't know 100% what went on. Yes, absolutely, Gary. He had to have been bound a little bit because he was persecuting the Christians. We are here today because he was bound from persecuting Christians to, to, to the full limit. That's what I well, yes, and, and we're going to see that he's going to be bound and he's going to be released for a little while toward the end. But yes, for sure. Okay, well, the, the, uh, uh, Greg. As we read in Job, there was a time when Satan could come right before the throne of right. and they have conversations about that. And so what Gary just read here, it seems that there was a longer period of time that that could happen and he could accuse the saints and say, no, they're not. That's right. Old Testament saints, where that boundary was, we don't know. We don't. But that ability to actually point this finger at mm -hmm. God and mm -hmm. say, no, you've accepted this person as their sinner, that ended. Uh, we know that ended at the cross. No, that's right. That's a really good point. Because remember, when, when uh, Peter was bragging like he could do, I'll, you know, I'll never do that. Um, Peter, uh, Jesus said, 
Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. So he was Satan active? Yes, there were limitations. When there were um, um, evil spirits that, that Jesus cast out during his, his ministry. You don't really read much of that afterward. And in the Old Testament, it talks about those would, would leave the land as well. So that may be a way, <clears throat> pardon me, that he was, um, his power was limited. Now the last one. Did we do Matthew 12, 28 yet? Uh, uh, Greg, read it real loud. Keep going, Greg. I'm sorry, 29, I believe. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and let his plunder into it unless the first uh, binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Right. What, what is that implying? This is Jesus talking. He's not dead. He's not been crucified yet. And he said, how can you, um, um, and I guess in a physical sense it's true as well, if you're going to break into a place, you might want to make sure the homeowner is not ready for you, and, um, and you might want to try to bind him or overcome him. And Jesus said, talking about Satan, I can't be casting out these demons and these devils unless the, the strong man's bound being Satan. So in a sense, there's another way that I think Satan was bound. Now, is his power totally bound? No, we see that today. Especially if we, we feel like that he must be released for a little while before the end, which I believe that's true. Um, so there's different, and there may be other, way, other ways Satan is bound, but we, we can look around and um, can we still sin? Of course. What did John say in John, uh, 1 John 1? 1 John 2, if you say that you haven't sinned, you're what? You're a liar. That's what the scriptures say. Now we have an advocate with the Father and, and, and all of that. We, 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 all, we, all know the, we all know that. But uh, when he says that he was, he was laid hold of and he was bound, he was bound in that first century there to a degree after that big battle of Armageddon, so to speak, and he's bound now. And he's going to be bound until the toward the end, when he says he's going to be released for a little while. Don. A couple of things to think about. In the Old Testament, either the patriarch sacrifices or the Levitical sacrifices, even the atonement sacrifice of Leviticus 16, could not take away sin. They covered it up, but could not take it away. Paul makes a statement in Acts 17 as he's talking there in Athens, in times past, God overlooked. He did not bring about the punishment of sin in old times. Now he does. The difference is, those sins were still remembered against the people by Satan. But the power of Satan to do anything about it ended with Christ. Okay. And no. the power that he had in death is gone once Christ was raised from the dead. That's right. The power over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Well, it, it left when Jesus died and was resurrected for us. Now, we still got to die, but we don't have to fear it. 
If you're faithful, you don't have to fear it like, like before. Um, and we'll get in toward the end of this chapter. It'll be Sunday now, it looks like, when we get into, I know, before we get into uh, the books were opened and another book was opened. What are those books? And we'll talk, it could be some of what Don's talking about there with the Old Testament, New Testament, the book of life, and so on. But I don't want to get too far ahead there. Um, <clears throat> this binding of Satan, is that a good sign for his people then and now? Yes. Um, it's a vindication. It's a vindication um, that the cause of Christ. Now, let's face it. Was the church knocked down pretty hard in this for a few hundred years there? It surely was. Now, there are some say, here again, I'm just going to throw it out. Some say that this first resurrection is when, when Rome, Caesar, and hundreds of thousands of Christians being, being martyred and killed, that, that when God did this, they were re resurrected, so to speak. The church was resurrected. I, I, don't, I see merit in that, but I don't know if that's right. Sean, do you have a thought on that? No, I, I, I agree. Okay. Right, okay. Okay, I, I, th I think that's true uh, in my mind. Uh, I mean, they thought the church was going to be abolished. We're going to put Christianity down. Has that been tried since then? How'd that work? What about the Dark Ages? You know, what, uh, 1400, 1500, 1200? Did that work? No. Will, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Will the church still be active, his kingdom on the earth? Absolutely. We see that in First and Second Thessalonians. Well, the world has always tried to, to, to put the church down, but it's not going to be successful. Never has, never will. Yeah, but no, you're right, Tony. It's certainly going on, certainly going on. Um, This is going, Satan's going to be bound for this, this 10 times 10 times 10, this perfect number, this complete number that only God knows. And then after that, Satan is going to be released uh, for a little while. Um, oh, I, well, I'll get to that in a second. I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I'm looking at my notes here. Um, after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, says what it says and means what it means. That Satan's gonna be released. He's bound, he's in the abyss. There's a chain. I remember as a kid riding our bicycles in Bowling Green that there was this dog, he was a bulldog, he was a bad dog. And he kept him on a chain, sometimes. So boys being boys, we threw rocks at him and we're gonna, we're gonna torment him. So we'd come around on our bicycles, because that's the only way you had to go, and we were yelling at him and throwing things, and he wasn't on the chain that day. <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's, you, got, you got your ha uh, feet up on the handlebars trying not to get bit by this dog who would bite you. Well, that's kind of like, so what you do, you stay out of reach of that chain. If it's a 10-foot chain, you go 11 feet. But he's going to be released off this chain toward the end, this short period of time. Now, we've seen the short period of time with God can be hundreds and hundreds of years. 
It could be tonight. No, that's not our business. Um, but he's going to be released for a little while, and as we get a little further down here, we're going to see he surrounds the camp of the saints. So I don't want to get too deep in that now, but we will in a little bit. Dennis. No clue. I don't, Dennis. That's, that's God's end of the stick. And uh, I, I wouldn't even venture to, to go there. Uh, in his mind, um, that's part of his plan. He must be released. Uh, maybe it's to give everybody another, a, a last shot. Maybe it, we don't know those things. And I, I'd rather not speculate too much there. But it does say must. And I, and, and I thought about that, Dennis. No, he's never taken the free will of man away that I'm aware of. I can make an argument that that's not true, uh, but but I also see your point as well, uh, because they were they were not always out of their mind. I'm not going to get into that, actually, Don. I'm not going there. So, uh, uh, then I saw thrones, and they who sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. Now, notice, and they. Now, you've got to go back to... Who the they are in this verse. Who are they? And they reign with Christ a thousand years. Who? The martyrs. These hundreds of thousands or maybe, a, who knows, a, a million. Um, and they lived and reigned with Christ. Just think about us uh, living and reigning with Christ. Uh, you know, you're writing all kinds of English things here with a... Um, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Okay, boy. The church at this, it's just, just, just at this time appeared uh, apparently defeated. Now, I want you to go back to Ezekiel chapter 37, 38, 39. Well, obviously, we can't read all of that. But let's see if, if others have been hopeless Hopelessly defeated, seemingly. Ezekiel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. You remember the story on the, with the dry bones? This is around, um, I want to say about 596 B.C. It could be 600. Uh, the first, uh, the first group taken back to Babylon. This is during Babylonian captivity. Uh, Daniel was in that in like 596 or somewhere in there. Um, so this is long after David was king, which we're going to talk about that uh, hopefully a little bit um, in verse 24. But it looked hopeless. If you've got a, a, a valley full of dead people, so dead their bones are there being bleached by the sun, and there's Maybe hundreds of thousands. I don't doesn't say the number, I don't think. And God says to my, his people in distress in Babylon. Now, 
You may be making some connections. You hope you are. His people in Babylon are under great distress. The dominant kingdom in the world, Nebuchadnezzar, number one. And remember in Daniel's dream, the head of, of that, that's, who, that's where this is right now. And all these saints, all these arm, this great army was killed. And their bones were being bleached. And God comes to, to Ezekiel. And remember, the, the question is, uh, son, I think it said son of man or something like that. Son of man, can these bones live again? Well, no. That'd be the logic. And God says, they can. And he says, oh, you know. And God does know. And he brings in the winds from the four corners of the earth. Now we're going to see the four corners over here again. You see where I'm going with some of that? And the bones start rattling and coming together. Then the sinews and all of the, the skin starts, it comes on and it, it, it uh, embodies these people again after all, after all this time. And then he brings a wind in and they start breathing and they all stand up. So God does his best work when it looks hopeless. Old Testament, New Testament, today. When it looks the worst, he does his best work. He did it there. Now, is Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39 stretching a little bit? I, I don't think so. Because it illustrates God's great power, and no matter who, Babylon, world power, or Rome, world power, when he says, you're going down, or you folks are going to rise up and live, or I'm going to, you'll be reigning this during this complete period. I believe that. Questions or comments on that? Um, Sean, any thoughts on Ezekiel? Is that stretching a little bit? Okay. Vindication. Yeah. And I, that's something I, I've tried to do. <clears throat> Maybe you've done it too. When you get into these different sections, put a one word, like and we start in chapter 21 a week from tonight, Lord willing, uh, I've got the redeemed of the chapter, the redeemed. You know, the, the, the um, Satan defeated in 20, and then 19, the saints, and all of that kind of thing. It helps you when you come back here two years from now, or three years from now. Yes, yes sir, Nate. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. We are. Yes. Yes. Well, I see your point. Uh, when you are resurrected, Romans 6 and others, uh, Galatians, when you're resurrected in, in, um, in baptism, is that a physical resurrection? No, it's spiritual. In the second resurrection, which we'll get to, is that spiritual or literal? 
It's going to be the literal when we get to, at the end of, of chapter 20, I think. Um, but it's a valid point, and I certainly see what you're saying. I would not, I would not disagree with that. Uh, but remember, we're talking about symbolism here to a large degree. And these saints who have been killed said, Lord, we need some help. It's, uh, and he says, I, I will vindicate you. And all these people who, just like those dried dead bones, in a sense, they were, they, this they, this those, this them, were resurrected. Um, it, it's a tough one. I, I, I get that. And, well, it is. Yes. No, that's right. And, and I appreciate all the good comments because I, I, I think exactly what you're saying is true. It's just a matter of the degree or, or how we might, might not see it exactly that same way. And uh, remember, this is, a lot of this is symbolism. It's, it's, it's not, not the easiest stuff to teach. If you'd like to try, you can certainly try it. Um, the, um, <clears throat> in verse 7, that, that was the first uh, bell, right? Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Now, when this complete time that God has decided and determined, before we get into the, the final resurrection, the judging, the books being opened, and all of that, the Bible says that Satan will be released. Now, we don't know 100% what that means, but I know what, what the words can mean going to be released for a little while. And then we're going to see the results of that. And we'll get into Gog and Magog, and have to go back to the Old Testament, of course, for that, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, but we will on Sunday, uh, to see what that represents. Uh, but it's like, it's almost like that God is going to allow one last great effort from Satan. One more big push before God says, that's it. Pull in the plug. Are we in that period now? I think we are. But we could have been in that period since, since the, 2000, uh, the last 1,000 or 2,000 years, too. I don't know that. Nobody knows. I'm not going to debate that. Uh, but all I know is he's going to be bound for a good while. And he's going to be released for a little while. And God defines what little means. Not me. But when you see some of the results, the saints being surrounded and, and all of that, you don't have to look at too much news to understand that. Uh, Gary, then Johnny. And that'll probably wind us up tonight. When I read this, I struggle with it just like everybody else. But I, I keep going back to who is the audience No, no, I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. Because when we get down to verses 11, 12, and 13, and 14, he's not just talking to the Christians in the first century. He's talking about the, the, the last great day. So it's not all uh, symbolic. 
But I hear you, Gary. I got you. Uh, Johnny Ray, let me get Johnny, and we'll, then we'll see if we've got any time. I'll come back. No question about it, Johnny. We, we can't make it without him. We can't, we're not strong enough. Uh, we're, we're not strong enough, and if you think you are, you're getting real close to falling. We're not. Peter thought that. Well, all the apostles thought that. How many of them deserted him? Well, that's right, they all did. Uh, Don. I keep thinking about Amos and this. There's so much that God will do before he makes the final judgment. And that final judgment of destruction requires something else. And in this paragraph, I see where Satan is and where he's going to go. You've got him in confinement, but he's still got to be rendered the final execution in the outer darkness. And so there's something missing from his final judgment that must take place before he's sent into that final execution. Uh, do, that, that's a good point. I think it would tie into what Gary's saying, and, and possibly this uh, being released for a little while. Is that something? That's something. I, th I believe that 100%. I believe that's exactly the truth. We don't know what it is, but God in this complete completeness says, you know, I'm going to do all these things, but for the last little bit, he has defined in little, last little while, I'm going to release Satan. And there's going to be some bad things going on. There have been bad things going on for a long time. And we could debate that. You know, it's today worse than, it's the worst I've ever seen in my 73 years. Not even close. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, saw a lot of crazy stuff. It wasn't this crazy. Greg, and we'll stop. Yes. That's a great point, in case you couldn't hear it for the, for, the, for the recording. Hebrews chapter 12, he goes through this chapter 11 with a great hall of fame of faith. And then he says, this is meant to encourage you, Gary, and, and, and Greg, and all of that. Now, because if they can do it, and they did, not could do it, they did it, you can do it. And in some sense, in some sense, they're cheering us on, they're clapping us on, saying, you can do it, Gary. You haven't resisted the blood yet, but you can do it. And that's very encouraging. It is very encouraging. Darker the night, brighter the light. Pretty dark, but we can still shine. And we can still make it, even if it costs us our life. I, I better stop. They're, they're lined up out there. But wonderful comments. I appreciate all the questions.